Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. We're in 2 Kings 2, 4-6, and we're looking at Elisha's testing part 2. From a couple weeks ago, we started it. We're getting to part two today. And we talked about why God tests us. And the title for today is We Can't Get Out of God's Testing. We Can't Get Out of God's Testing, 2 Kings 2, 4 to 6. Now, the last time we saw how God tests us to move us forward spiritually. That's why he used tests. And we all don't like to be tested, do we? But God uses them. Several people shared tests on the way in today, we're just telling me uh, about testing that you're going through. And we don't like to go through testing, do we? But, but it's very, very important to move us forward spiritually. And I had talked last time about how tests were the only thing that kept me engaged at all in school. Remember I talked about school and, and how in New York they have this regents test. And that's the only thing that kept me going because you had to pass that regents test to pass the, the course. And, uh, and it was very important that we had these tests to keep me engaged because I was such a uh, deep thinker. Uh, some people call it daydreaming. Okay, call it daydreaming. But I, I would, I just, you know, I just, ADD, OCD, all those letters stuck together. Well, I don't like OCD. It should really be CDO because they put out order. But anyway, uh, so anyway, the, but I was a, a deep thinker and uh, <laughs> some of you know what I'm talking about. Uh, the, I was a deep thinker, daydreamer. In fact, my dad, who listens to the, you know, listens to the sermons online, he said, hey, yeah, you should tell about the truck story to show you how deep a thinker you are, you know, daydreaming. I, I was, I would just, in school, I would just go into this trance almost. And it, it wasn't just that. It was on the farm. My dad experienced it too, uh, trying to give me instructions farm. In fact, he was telling me about the truck story, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. I was maybe eight years old. Nine, ten, I don't know. That was young. It was like almost 50 years ago. And have you seen these stories about these trucks and the high winds recently? They tipped over. I don't know if you haven't found the stories. There were several trucks that tipped over recently in these really strong winds. And and it, and he it was like, remember what happened to us? I go, oh, yeah. We we got a, a truck borrowed from my uncles. They had a factory. And it was a one of these, like, box trucks, you know, the trucks that wasn't a semi, but it was a truck with a big box on the back and where you haul stuff from factories. And, and we borrowed it because we needed to get some corn seed to put the uh, spring planting in. So we were driving to Pennsylvania because I had another relative who had a sold corn, Dobler. Anyway, uh, they, we were driving to Pennsylvania to get some corn, and it was my dad, my brother Billy, and then I was, Chucky was right on the end by the window. And we, uh, we start driving, and uh, we're going, and it was really windy. I mean, really, really windy. And I went into my daydreaming phase. We're driving to Pennsylvania. It's a long drive. And so I'm daydreaming, and because we lived in New York, uh, Niagara Falls area. And so the wind got so strong that finally the gust actually started tipping the truck over. And we were driving on two wheels. And it would, it would do that for a few seconds, then it would tip back again. Then all of a sudden it would tip over again and then come back again. And my dad and brother are freaking out, you know. And, uh, and they're all freaking out and crazy. And, 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 and I didn't even know what was happening. 
didn't know it was happening. I mean, I did after it because, oh, Chucky, are you okay? You know, you they're both done. Oh, we've got it. They turned the truck around. Let's get home. And they dro- turned around. We didn't go. We waited till the wind stopped a couple days later. And and no, my uncles wouldn't even believe us. They thought we were making it up. But we were on two wheels. After they said, can you believe we almost stepped over? Then I could, oh, yeah, I remember that. But it didn't affect me. didn't phase me. Nothing. Because I was in such a deep Meditation, meditation. I was probably praying. Yes, that was it. So, so that's what I was like on the farm. That's what I was like at, at school. And, and the problem is, remember I talked about how the Regents test enabled me in this deep thought, uh, daydreaming lifestyle at school because you could fail all year long, didn't matter what you got, as long as you pass this Regents test at the end. You had to get a 65, just barely passed. You just had to pass it, didn't matter. Everything was forgiven and forgotten. You moved forward, all right? So, uh, and that, that really en- enabled me because what I would do, as I talked about last time, is I would just daydream through the year and then, and then engage the last month. I'd come out of it for the last month, listen really closely, get caught up, go to my teacher for extra help, all that. Uh, they were like, where have you been, right? Uh, and, 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 and that allowed me to just do that and, and pass these subjects that I didn't like. Now, some subjects I loved and I listened and I liked, liked history and stuff like that, literature. But the ones I didn't like, I, I didn't listen to. And, and it worked except one time it backfired. One time it backfired. Uh, I, I got away with it until geometry till geometry and first of all when I came out of the fog I had a lot of catching up to do uh, there were I, at that time I'm sure I remember how many there was like 30 theorems we used to have to memorize you remember any, it was about 30 we had to memorize 30 theorems and have them memorized for this regent's test and then they would pick two of those out of those 30 they'd pick two of them put them on and you had to do them and they were worth 15 points a piece so that was 30 points out of 100 points was this these theorems that you were supposed to memorize now I was I came out of my fog and I'm starting to listen I'm like that's way too many you know to memorize I'm just going to memorize two and hope for the best I was a gambler all right two and hope for the best got to that regents test got to that geometry test neither one was on so now I'm starting with a 70, you know, a 70. I could only lose five more points. Well, turns out this was the tough, the teacher said later, it was the toughest geometry region ever. She was shocked. Everybody was shocked. I got a 42. I got a 42. I, I, and I beat a lot of people. That's the crazy thing. I beat a lot of my friends. It was really tough. They, it just wiped people out. Uh, and... Many of them were okay because they still had a high enough grade point, but my grade point was only 65 coming in. I had to get a 65 on this, right? So uh, I, I had to pass the Regents, which means I had to take it again. You all know where I'm going with this, don't you? All right? I had to take it again in the summer, you know? And my, all the parents of the kids who failed it, got together and paid a tutor, and he came in and he tutored us seven times. It was seven times, seven one-hour sessions. And, and then we were going to take it again because they gave the regents again in the summer. This time it wasn't quite as tough. It was a lot easier. It was like a normal regents geometry test. But once again, I have these 30 theorems. I only had two memorized. I'm not, I cannot waste my summer with memorizing theorems, so I memorized two more. So now I have four. 
I should play the lotto. I should play the lotto. I, I, I don't. I'm joking. But I, I, I had four out of 30. And I'm like, oh, God, please let one of them be on. Just, just one. I'll take just one. I showed up to that Regents test. And one was there. So I was starting off with an 85. I felt pretty good about this test, right? 85. I only lost 15. And then I actually was paying attention to the tutor and only lost about 10 more points. So I ended up with a 75. I passed the Regents. Yeah, and I was able to move on from geometry to something else I could dream my way through. Uh, this sounds crazy, doesn't it? If my kids did that, well, I'd turn them over to Kim. I wouldn't deal with that. But, but uh, she does all the... She does all, she does the academic, I worry about the athletic, you know. So anyway, we, we, we split, you know. But it sounds crazy, but how many of us do the same thing spiritually? We all do. We do the same thing spiritually. We miss the whole point of God's testings in our life, why he tests us. And we have to keep taking those tests over and over and over again because we don't We missed the whole point of the testing. And hopefully after today, and what we see in in the word today here with Elisha, hopefully after today we're going to be ready to pass whatever test we're in the middle of. We're ready to work on that and focus on that and and pass that test and move forward to the next test. (laughs) It never ends, right? Until we get to heaven. So let me pray first, then we'll get right into the word. Father, we thank you for the worship today. We thank you for everybody that you've brought here today to worship together. We know that we're here for a reason, a purpose, that that you want to move us forward spiritually, that you want us to take another step forward spiritually in our faith and in our, our spiritual journey, our faith walk. I pray that your Holy Spirit would would do this in our hearts and prepare us for communion, communion, not just this morning's communion, but communing with you every day. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we're going to be... Now, remember, we did three tests the last time, all right? I wasn't here last week, Nate preached, but I did, we did three tests the last time. And the first test was loyalty test. Then he looked at the... the I'm sorry, the love test, the loyalty test, and the friends test. And if you weren't here for those, go back to get the CDs in the back or go on the back of the bulletin. There's a, a, a website where you can go on the podcast and the YouTube and catch up because it kind of flows together. It's like really one sermon together, okay? But today we're going to move to the next three tests. And we come to them in 2 Kings 2, 4 to 6. And in 2 Kings 2, 4, where Elijah is, Elijah, remember Elisha is following Elijah, and Elijah is testing him. And don't forget, Elijah is a picture of Jesus, and Elisha is a picture of us, right? The disciples, it's us. We are Elisha following Elijah. Elijah is a type of Jesus. We are Elisha, the followers, the disciples of Jesus Christ. And just as Elijah was testing Elisha, Jesus tests us. To move us forward spiritually. And we already looked at the three tests. The love test, loyalty test, friend test. And now we come to the next couple tests here. Verse 4. Then Elijah said, Stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and asked him, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied, but do not speak of it. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked 
on. The two of them walked on. And don't forget, we finished the life of Elijah. Now we're going into the life of Elisha. Where this is all a picture of our spiritual journey. And the fourth test, the first one today, but the fourth test is in verse 4, where he says, Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, As surely as the Lord lives, and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. And I'm going to call this one in verse 4 here, the faithfulness test. The faithfulness test. He is testing Elisha's faithfulness. He says, stay at Bethel. Now remember we talked about Bethel. What happened at Bethel that was historic and so special? Yes, Jacob's Ladder. Thank you. Somebody remembers two weeks ago. Anyway, uh, uh, Jacob's Ladder. That was Bethel. Long before this, this was where Jacob's letter, where Jacob saw the angels ascending and descending. This is a special spiritual place. It is a place of divine connection. It was a, for Elisha, it was a spiritual high to be at that same place. If you visited Israel and you visited different sites, you go to the tomb, you go to the Jordan River where Jesus is baptized, it's a special spiritual high that you, you experience. Jerusalem where, where Jesus was crucified, a Golgotha, you know, they're the same thing. And, and this is what happens for Elisha. This is a vi- revisiting where Jacob's ladder happened, where the angels, where God connected with Jacob. Jacob in a very special way, and, and, and it was like a, a spiritual high, similar to if we go on a retreat or a conference or a mission trip. You know how you feel so close to God and everybody's all together close to God? Or remember Promise Keepers years ago? Some, who are Promise Keepers? Well, yeah, remember we, some of you here went with me. We, you know, awesome experience to be with all these men worshiping God and focused on God. Nothing like it. But... If, we're gonna follow, if he was going to follow Elijah, Elisha had to move on. He had to leave Bethel. He had to move on to Jericho. And we talked about that, the, the valley of Jericho, the, the, the place of curses, the place of, of, of spiritual darkness. He had to move down into the spiritual valley. And God does, often does the same with us. He tests us. He tests our faithfulness. It's easy to follow Jesus when we're on a spiritual high, right? When we're in intense fellowship, when we're surrounded by other Christians, when we're in spiritual victory, right? It's easy to follow Jesus then. It's easy to follow our Elijah then. But how about when we're in the spiritual valley? When we're alone with our temptations? When we're under spiritual attack? It's a whole different thing. And that's when God tests our faithfulness. He tests our faithfulness. When he begins to test our faithfulness. We are in a place of blessing, maybe. We're experiencing victory. We're experiencing blessing in our ministry. We're experiencing blessing with our family or at work or at school. We're riding high. You know what I'm talking about? We're riding high. It's so easy. You know, everything's so easy. And then God calls us into a valley. He calls us into a valley, a place of spiritual struggle into a desert time in our spiritual life, in a a place of refining, where it's hot now, a refining. God leads us to a Jericho, a a challenging ministry time, a challenging, we hit the wall in our job, we begin to experience intense problems and struggles with our marriage or our family, We, we, we have trials, we experience loss, and we go through intense grief. 
We suffer in some way. And this is where God has led us into a Jericho. And he's testing our faithfulness. He's testing our faithfulness. Will we faithfully follow Jesus? Our Elijah, from Bethel into Jericho, trusting his purpose, even when we can't figure out what it is, trusting his purpose. Test number five comes very close to this one, and right on the heels of it. Uh, test number five, Second Kings 2, 5. The company of the prophets at Jericho went up to Elisha and said, Do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, he replied, but do not speak of it. There they are again. Remember a couple weeks ago? There they are again. The fellow prophets, the prophets of gloom and doom. Gloom and doom. The fellow prophets. What, what are they saying? Why are you still following Elijah? Elisha, why are you still following Elijah? Don't you know he's going to be taken away from you? Don't you know he's going to be gone in a short time? And what does he say? Yeah, I know, but don't speak of it anymore. Remember I said the Hebrew. We looked at the deep Hebrew meaning, and it means, shut up. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. Uh, so that's really what he was saying, though. He's really saying, shut up. Don't keep talking about this. We all face discouraging friends, don't we? We all have discouraging friends. We're trying to follow Jesus. We're trying to keep being faithful. We're trying to go through the faithful test. And, and they come along and, and they say, don't you know your ministry is failing? Don't you know that, that your kid is rebelling? Don't you know that your business is crashing? Don't you know that your loved one is dying of cancer? Don't you, don't you know? And, and when, what do we, we feel like saying, thank you, Captain Obvious. Right? We just want to use that Hebrew, shut up, don't we? <laughs> and often this discouraging friends, and, and, and when they are pointing out these things, often I think it's tainted by jealousy. I mean, look at Elisha was the favorite. These 50 prophets all standing and watching from a distance. There, here's Elisha with Elijah again. It's jealousy. Really, right? That's what is, is, is in, in, in underneath. That's the root of it. If it's, it's jealousy. And often our friends pointing out these obvious things to us, which we are well aware of, and they're trying to, pre, you know, this, this, this helpful observations... Really often it's tainted by a jealous root, isn't it? I do it sometimes. Once or twice. <laughs> we, we do it, don't we? What's tainted? And, 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 and oftentimes that's what's there. And, and this, this, they, the enemy will use these discouraging friends. God's working and we're battling through something. Or our kids are battling through something. And, and they, they come along and they make these observations. Not really meaning to help, but really to, in the end, it's really a discouraging thing. But we got to go through that discouragement test. Because God did not call us, has not called us to unbroken success. God has not called us to health and wealth. Sorry, Joel. God has not called us to worldly happiness. God has not called us to win every Super Bowl and then go to Disney. 
Right? God hasn't called us to win every Super Bowl and go to Disney World. He hasn't called us to do that. Jesus told us to take up our cross. Ouch. That hurts. Take up our cross and follow him faithfully. Faithfully. No matter what is happening in our life, no matter what is happening in our ministry, what is happening on our job, what is happening in our family, whatever is happening, it doesn't matter. He's called us. He grades us by faithfulness. By faithfulness. Matthew 24, I, I love this one. I have it memorized. Matthew 24, 45 to 46. And even though I have it memorized, I'm going to read it because of my age. But anyway, Jesus says, Who then is the faithful and wise servant who the master has put in charge of the servants in his household to give them their food at the proper time? It will be good for that servant whose master finds him doing so when he returns. We are graded... Not by outward results. We are graded on our faithfulness to what God has called us to do. What he's called us to do. Not what the people that we are investing in choose to do. That's not what he grades us. It's what we do in ministry. Oh my goodness. I'm glad he's not grading me on what all of you do. (laughs) Because... I can't control that. Now, you guys are here. You're faithful. But you know how many people over the years have fallen away? And I could get really discouraged. Really discouraged. But I have to focus on, did I do what God called me to do? And if I didn't, then that's on me. But if I did, then it's not. Your parents, I'll put it on parents. Think of the U.S. parents. A lot of us have been faithful parents you're being faithful and you're doing all you can do the best you can do under god prayerfully do and your kids choose to do something else go prodigal go dark we all experience it don't we and what do we often feel like we feel like a failure but if we did what we're called to do, we didn't fail. We did what we were called to do. People make their own, kids make their own decisions. Ministry, people make their own decisions. If you work with kids at school and you're a teacher, they make their own decisions. You heard my story. We make our own decisions. But we're only called to be faithful to what God has called us to do, to our purpose. And if we do that, then that's what God grades us on by being faithful and, and not listening to that discouragement. The, 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 the faithful test, the discouragement test, and then this one right on the heel, the last one, verse 6, uh, back to Second Kings 2, verse 6. Then Elijah said to him, Stay here, the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on to the Jordan. They're going to the Jordan now, right? They walk on. I'm going to call this the perseverance test. I did some, I was looking at the map and figuring out distances and something really hit me with this. The perseverance test. Once again, Elijah is test Elisha by saying, stay here. And once again, Elisha passes the test by saying, I'll go. But it's one thing to say, I'll go. It's another thing to do it, right? 
to do it. Elisha started his test at Gilgal. Remember last time we went the, the first test? He started at Gilgal. And I was looking at the map and I was measuring and everything. And he starts at Gilgal and he ends at the Jordan River. And I looked at it and it's about 25 miles. That's where his testing started and that's where they ended. About 25 miles. Uh, what else is about 25 miles? The marathon. Marathon, right? The marathon, 26 miles, the marathon race. And this last test that he is on, even though it's 25 miles total, the last test going from Jericho to the Jordan was about six miles. Think of the last stage of the marathon, right? Now, with the marathon, the last six miles is the toughest. 18 to 26, that last area is the toughest because by the mile 18, the body has used up all of its reserves, all of its energy that's available to it. It's used it up. And now, if you're running a marathon for those last six miles, eight, six miles, you are running on guts and glory. You are running on adrenaline. You're, the body is literally breaking down. That's why you see these people at the end of the marathons and they look so thin. Well, their body just went, the body actually cannibalizes itself over those last six miles. Six miles. The Boston Marathon, anybody here ever run the Boston Marathon? Did I see a hand? No, no, no nobody. All right. Me either. Uh, Boston Marathon, at the 18-mile mark, guess what there is? Heartbreak Hill. There's a hill right when the body is at the end. Heartbreak Hill. And you got to run that, you got to go up that hill to finish the last six, eight miles there. Many people quit at Heartbreak Hill. If you're going to quit the Boston Marathon, it's usually at the Heartbreak Hill. This was Elisha's Heartbreak Hill. The last six miles of his spiritual marathon, this was his heartbreak hill. And look, was at, look what was at the end of the six miles. The Jordan River. What does the Jordan stand for? What's that? Okay, curses, Jericho curses. Jordan was, you're close, death, death, death. Jericho was the curse, Jordan was the death. Stands for death. Death. It was a symbol of death. That's why Joshua made the way through. That's why Elijah made the way through. Pictures of Jesus making the way through death. It's all symbolic, right? Uh, we've been through this many times. And this is where he was going to lose Elijah. After they get through the Jordan, that's when he was taken up. Remember, we looked at that. It reminds me of Tony Evans. Tony Evans has been working on a real well-known preacher, teacher, and he's been uh, African-American, and he's been working on a, the reason I mention that is he's been working on a commentary of the whole Bible. No African-American pastor, teacher has ever done a commentary in the entire Bible. Can you believe that? 
He just finished it. First one. Culmination of his life's work. But the whole time he's trying to finish it, his wife is dying of cancer. And as he's finishing it, his wife is on her deathbed, and she got to see it finished, and then she died. You talk about Heartbreak Hill. That's what this reminds me of. If we are going to follow Jesus Christ, we're going to have to persevere to the end of the marathon and face many heartbreaks. But it's here that so many drop out. I just look out and I see some empty seats and I remember some of the people over the last 20 years that were here, that were following God, that were growing spiritually, and they hit a heartbreak hill and they quit. They bailed out. And that's heartbreaking to me. But it's here that so many drop out of the race when we're so close to the finish line. Six miles to go. You already ran, you know, 18. You got six miles to go. It's right here when we're so close. So, because so often we don't realize how close we are to finishing a test. We don't realize how close we are to reaching the place where God wants us. And we bail out. We're so close to reaping those rewards. Galatians 6 9, where Paul says, let us not become weary in, in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So many times we don't realize we're so close. We're so close, we're witnessing to someone, and we're like, they're never going to become a Christian. We're trying to work through a difficult relationship, and we're like, they're never going to change. And so we quit. We quit witnessing. We quit dealing with that relationship. We're, we're in a marriage and, and we're going through a hard, hard time. And, and we're like, this marriage is never going to be what I want it to be. And bail out of the marriage. Or, 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 or parenting. We're, we're battling with, our, with a kid over something, trying to get them past something. And a lot of times we're just tempted to give up, right? To not persevere. When we're really so close. You ever been through that? Are you tempted? I remember when our oldest son Ryan. Was a prodigal. Seven years. Brutal. You talk about going dark. It was brutal. And, and then, at the end of those seven years, he dies of a drug overdose. You talk about being tempted to quit. But 
discouragement. What's the point? We all feel that way, don't we? A lot. But what if I had quit? After Ryan, the next four boys are either in ministry or training for ministry. That all came after. What if I hadn't persevered? What if I pulled the plug? What if I said, I'm just going to live for myself? Will we persevere? Will we persevere through discouragement? Will we be faithful to God's call? That's what I want to talk about next week as a church our, the vision that God has given us here. I want to talk about that. I want to encourage you all, all to come. Make sure everybody's here. And also, come on time. Come early, because we're going to get started pretty early with this. It's going to take a little longer. But I want to talk about that this week. But, but will we persevere through discouragement, faithful to God's call? Which test are you facing today? I know we're all facing some. What test are we facing today? Are we trying to get out of it? Or go around it? Or over it or under it? You all know the, the children's story. We can't. One of my kids last week, they were like, I'm going to skip school. I go, why? Because I got a test today and I'm not, I, I don't want to take it. I go, well, so if you miss school today, then you don't have to take the test? Oh, no, I'll have to take it, you know, a couple days. I, well, why not take it today, you know? But we, that's what we think. And... We can't get out of it. We've got to face that test. And if we fail the test, we're just going to have to take it again. Because God is going to try to move us forward. He's trying to perfect us. He's trying to get us to that his goal. We're going to have to take it again. I knew a guy who, uh, he, he, I remember this guy, not in this church, another one, kept getting fired, kept having trouble with the boss, getting fired, having a problem up. And and. He was literally on his seventh job and his seventh boss. And he said, here I go again. The boss is a pain in the butt. He's still blah, 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 blah. I don't think I'm going to make it in this. And I, and I said, I've been watching this for seven jobs now, buddy. I said it nice, spiritually. Uh, and I'm going to tell you something. You're going to probably get mad and leave the church. But I'm going to tell you. It's not the job. It's not the boss. It's you. <laughs> I said it nice and spiritual, you know. Couched in spiritual terms. But he's like, oh my. Yeah. Because he kept doing the same thing over and over and over again. And it wasn't the boss. It wasn't the job. God was trying to work on a problem in his life. It was him. It was his character. Now we can all laugh about that guy because it's not us. (laughs) But think of our life. (laughs) How many times have we taken the present test that we're taking, right? Same thing goes with marriage. So many people bow out on their marriage. And they go to the next person and they have the same problems. A lot of times they bow out on that and they go to the next one. And the problem isn't the spouse. Now, for sure, one spouse can be a serious problem. But it's never, not, it's never just one. There's always 
a percentage at least that we, we share in, in the marriage. That's why so many second marriages fail on a much higher level. Because of that very reason. People go in and they don't learn their lesson. Which, and apply that to anything. Which test are we going through? Will we focus on God submitting to that test and passing that test? Not getting out of it, not going around it, but passing that. Letting God take us through that test. And as we get ready to go into communion today, the first test we all have to pass is the faith test. The faith test, the first step in our spiritual journey, the first step to moving forward, the first step to becoming who God wants us to be, we have to put our faith in Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask a question. I'm going to give you all a test now. You don't have to say it out loud, but I'm going to give you a test. Because this gets right to it. If you were to die, and it could happen to any of us, right? We all know what happened to Kobe. If that has taught us anything... Is that we all, I've been telling people all the time, we have to be ready. Anybody, any second, we're a heartbeat away, one breath away. And if we, if you were to die and stand before God today, and he were to say, why should I let you into heaven? What would you say? What would you say? There's only one answer. Now, when I ask most people that, and I know Chuck out in the street with the ministry, you get a lot of answers, right? I've been good, never killed anybody, been baptized, been confirmed, all the good things they've done. There's only one biblical answer. Because I put my faith in what Jesus Christ did for me on the cross. I've given my life to Jesus. There's no other way. It's faith. Nothing we can do. It's been done. We've put our faith in Jesus Christ. John 3.16 talks about that very thing. I've never finished the service pretty much without it. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The word there, believe, is not intellectual. It means to believe in your heart. It means to put your total trust in. Jesus came and died for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. He gave his Son, Jesus, to die on a cross. In our place, he died for our sin. He took it all on himself so that we could be forgiven, so that we could go free, so that we, he could take our place, a substitute, so that he could ransom us. That's what Jesus did for us. And we must believe in him. The Greek word for believe, and this is for real, means to put your total trust in, to cling to. Every one of us. We'll stand before God someday and he's going to ask that question. And there's one answer because I have put my faith in Jesus Christ. I have believed in Jesus. I gave my life to Jesus. Trusting him completely to wash that sin away and to give me a brand new life. Have you ever taken that step of faith? And that's what communion is all about. As we go to communion in just a minute here, it's the, the, the bread is a reminder of the body that he gave on the cross. The cup is a reminder of the blood that he shed for us, that he gave for us, that he washed us with. And what we do is we remember every month, once a month, we do this to remember. How we take it is when you feel ready, you can just come on up. Uh, just line up and, and, and take the bread and take the cup back to your seat. Take take. The communion, remembering it. There's only there's a couple reasons why you shouldn't do that. 
We don't buy a videotape. We don't take attendance. This is totally between you and God. But if you have not put your faith in Jesus, don't take it. This is for those who have put their faith in Jesus. But you can do that today. You can do that this very moment while we're praying. The second reason is that there's something in our life that is sin, that we will not surrender, that we say, God, you can't have this. You can have all these things, but you can't have this one. I know what the Bible says. I know what your word says, but I'm no, 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 no. If we're not willing to surrender something, don't take it. It says, don't take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy way. But I'm encouraging everyone here to release that, to repent of that, to surrender that to God. Doesn't mean you gotta be perfect. Doesn't mean oh, I'll never do that again. No, no. I'm willing to give it to you, God, and let you help me overcome this. Move forward in this battle. Anybody can do that. But it's between you and God. There's no judgment. It's between you and God. Let's pray. Father, we, we come to prayer now, Father, preparing for communion. We ask you to to prepare our hearts. And while we're praying, I want to say to anybody here who's not put their faith in Jesus yet, I asked that question, what would you say to God? And you didn't have Jesus answer, but now you do have it. I want to say to you, you can take that step of faith now. You can answer that question Right this second. You don't need a ritual. You don't need a religious person. It's between you and God. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish. But have eternal life. You can put your faith in Jesus this very moment. The simple prayer of faith. God, I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sin, for my mess, so that I could become your child. I believe that. I repent of sin. I believe he died for my sin, and I repent of that sin. I turn away from that old life. I put my faith in Jesus. I give my life to him. If you have prayed that prayer of faith, or if you do pray that prayer of faith, something amazing has happened. You have now been washed clean. You have now become a child of God. You can now commune with God any day, any time, any second. You can talk to God any time through Jesus. And if you have prayed that prayer of faith, I want to encourage you to let somebody know before you leave today. Tell me on the way out. Fill out the card, stick it in the box. Tell a family member, friend. Tell somebody. Let somebody know before you go. Or if you get out the door, text me, call me. The numbers are all in the bulletin there. Let, let somebody know today so that we can be excited for you and, and encourage you and help you take the next steps in your new life in Christ. And you can start by celebrating communion today.
remembering the body and blood of Jesus. For the rest of us, as we go to this time of prayer, how is God speaking to us? What do we need to surrender? What tests do we need to to pass? Love, loyalty, faithfulness, discouragement, perseverance. Which test do we need to pass? Where is God calling us to take that next step spiritually? Father, we pray that your Holy Spirit would move in our hearts in a special way now. In Jesus' name, amen.